God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who shed his blood on that cross for our sins. Thank you, Father, for we know because of you, because of his sacrifice, we have life. So, God, I pray that you help us to recognize that, help us live in that fact. And as we go through your word, remind us, oh God, that you love us, God. Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if we can, let's all keep standing for the reading of God's word this morning. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. The Bible says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. May it continue to be true of who you are. And may we continue to accept it of who you want us to be. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We can take our seats. Good morning, Flat Church. How are you guys doing? I always look at everybody who comes to the... And I'm not judging you, so don't look at it as I'm judging you, yeah? But all of us who come to the 11 a.m., we probably slept in, right? No? The mothers are saying no. So young people who are like, yes, we slept in. Yes, it's true. Mothers, we love you. Thank you for the work you do. And young people, get that rest. But for those who don't know, my name is Dali, and I help lead the church. I pastor the flood church in Zuzu. And so been here since uh, two days ago from Zuzu. And I'll be honest with you guys, Lilongwe is a little bit too hot. And I've lived in Lilongwe for many years, right? But, yeah, this is new. Uh, Zuzu's been raining for the past week, each and every day. The point where my mom called me and said, hey, I hear it's raining. If it gets worse, come home. And I said, mom, I am home. You know? And so it's kind of breezy and cold that side. It's, it's pretty hot here. But I'm glad that I could be able to join you guys. And thank you guys for, for coming uh, this morning. And today we're going to be continuing in a sermon series titled Relentless Pursuit. Relent, re Relentless Pursuit. Where we are looking at the unstoppable love of Jesus Christ. The unstoppable love of Jesus Christ in our life. That while we were still sinners... While we are still in sin, Christ Jesus continues to pursue us. He continues to love you and I. And today we're going to be looking at how Christ is the hope for the lost. Christ is the hope for the lost. And in the story we just read, in the couple of chapters, or couple of verses we just read, we are met with two lost individuals, right? The two criminals who are on that cross with Jesus, rightfully so. Because they are lost in their way of life. They are lost in the life of crime. And so they are paying the Jews for the things that they have done. 
But on that cross is Jesus, who committed no sin. And at this point, Jesus is already on the cross, but there's a journey to this cross where he is tossed between Pontius Pilate and Herod. You know, he goes to Pilate, and Pilate says, I don't find anything wrong with this guy. I take him to Herod. Goes to Herod. Herod is excited because he's been waiting to see Jesus. So now he meets Jesus and asks him a couple of questions, and here he realizes there's, some, there's, there's nothing here. Take him back to Pilate. So Jesus is tossed back and forth these two individuals who are highly up in those, in those government times, and they find nothing wrong with him. But the people who are flogging Jesus, the people who are accusing Jesus, are waiting and still wanting Jesus to be jailed. They still want Jesus to be arrested. They still want Jesus to be crucified on that cross to the point where they want a criminal to be released so that they can put Jesus on the cross. They want a criminal, a guy who is in for insurrection and murder. They want a murderer to be released in the place of Jesus. And if this doesn't show our human nature, I don't know what else does. Because as people, this is who we are. You know, we continue to choose our flesh over Jesus. We continue to choose our pride over Jesus. We continue to choose our sin over Jesus. We continue to choose the thief that has come to kill, steal, and destroy over Jesus who has come to give us life and to give us that life abundantly. We continue to choose the dangerous paths of life that are going to ruin us. We continue to choose the dangerous paths of life that will ruin our communities over a Jesus who is for us, over a Jesus who is not against us, over a Jesus who is, a, who is our hope, a Jesus who continuously pursues us, even though... He knows how messed up we are. Think about it. When you know how messed up your friend is, you kind of start ghosting them. You start taking a step back because you know how messed up your friend is. You know, our excuse is I don't want them to influence me. You know, I don't want to be caught in the same company with these people. And Jesus knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows how messed up you and I are, but he is resilient in his pursuit of you and I. And this should tell us something about this Jesus. It tells us something about who he is, which is that his ability to save the lost has everything to do with who he is. Jesus' ability to save you and I, as we are lost in our ways, has everything to do with who he is. And I want us to explore this. So if you're taking notes, write this first and foremost. Jesus' ability to save the lost has everything to do with who he is, and that is he is faithful. Even when you and I are unfaithful. He is faithful. Even when you and I are disobedient. The Bible tell, tells us in verse 39. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not Christ? Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. Now this criminal, he's, he's saying this because he's in a group and a crowd of people who are also mocking Jesus. If you read this out of context... If you read this in isolation, you would think he is actually pleading with Jesus to save him. I mean, that's the thing Jesus would, would do. But he is mocking Jesus because everyone out there is actually mocking Jesus. If we read a couple of verses before the ones we read, it says that the people who were there were actually casting lots on Jesus' in Jesus' clothes. It's like you're, you're playing premier bet with Jesus' clothes to say who will get Jesus' clothes, who will win. Jesus is close. They are mocking Jesus. They are taunting Jesus. Because at this point, 
Jesus looks like a failure. Jesus looks like a failure. Isn't this this Jesus who was calming the storm? Isn't this this Jesus who made the lame man walk? Isn't this this Jesus who made the blind see? Isn't this the same Jesus who raised his best friend Lazarus from the dead? So now why can't he save himself? Actually, Jesus, as you are saving yourself, save me too. Because you have the ability to save yourself. And I know this is some of our reaction. Where we try to put God to test for him to prove himself. You know, where if God does that thing we want him to do, then maybe we'll obey. If he does that thing we're praying for, then maybe we will obey. But if he doesn't do it, then what's the, what's, what's the use of obeying? Then what is the use of obeying who Jesus is? But Jesus' journey to the cross, Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus' resurrection, and his defeat of sin has nothing to do with greatness. It has nothing to do with success. It has nothing to do with failure. It has everything to do with faithfulness. Because God is faithful to his word. Because Jesus is the faithful servant, even though you and I continue to be unfaithful. Even though you and I continue to be disobedient. And as they taunt Jesus, when they continue to mock him, the Son of God gives no reaction but a simple prayer. Where Jesus prays and says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So in our continued disobedience, in our continued unfaithfulness, Jesus is continuing to plead our case to the Father. Not as if the Father is going to say, no, I don't love them anymore. I'm not going to uh, forgive their sins. I'm not going to invite them into heaven. No. But he's pleading our case because the devil, who is also known as the accuser, is going to continuously remind you and accuse you of your sins. He's going to continuously put you in a place of shame because of our sins. But Jesus is continuing to plead our case. And in the midst of that mockery, he is still willing to die on that cross. A death he did not deserve. For a crime he did not commit. For a people who continuously deny him. For a people who are continuously unfaithful to a people who are continuously disobedient. This is Jesus, the Son of God. He is our everything, and Jesus is the hope for you and I. He is the hope for the lost. Now, secondly, Jesus saving the lost has a lot to do with who he is because he is full of grace. Jesus is full of grace. It brings you and I to repentance no matter how bad we have sinned. He is full of grace. And his grace brings you and I to repentance. The Bible tells us in verse 40 and 41 to say, But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now this second criminal, he is able to rebuke his friend. He's rebuking his friend to say, do you not fear God? And guys, I won't lie to you. This, this question always gives me the chills because do you not fear God? In Jijewa, it says, in your continued and repentant sin, do you not fear God? In your continued unfaithfulness, do you not fear God? In your continued disobedience, do you not fear God? 
in our continued living life a mockery of who Jesus is and his ways, do we not fear God? And the second criminal, he's able to recognize Jesus as the son of God. And this recognition of Jesus allows him to recognize his sin. He recognizes that I am a sinner. I am here because I am a sinner. But this guy, this Jesus guy who is here has done no sin. He has committed no sin. Jesus who is here has committed, has done nothing wrong. And Jesus Christ is our hope. He is the hope for the lost. Because without Jesus, you and I deserve nothing but death. Now, I know that sounds a little harsh, you know. It's like, hey, we went to church and the pastor said, death, you do. That's what we deserve. But the Bible reminds us that the wages of our sin is, so the result of the sin we continue to live in is death. But Jesus, that sentence right there, but Jesus, he saves us from that sin. Because while we were still sinners, he died on that cross, saving us from the wrath of God. While you are still in that state of sin this morning, while you are still in that state of enjoying and flirting around with the sin that has arrested us, my reminder to you is that Jesus died to forgive us from those sins. So he is our only hope. For our salvation. And he affords us his grace to recognize him so that we can turn from our ways to a repentance in him. Now hear me when I say this. There is nothing that you have done. There is nothing you are currently doing. There is nothing you are currently involved in. There is nothing you are going to do that can outweigh God's love for you. And his grace is more than sufficient to allow you and I to have a fresh start in him. I think some of the, sometimes we, we, we want to clean ourselves first, right? We want to get ready. We want to get dressed up so that we can go up here before Jesus. We want to be the smartest self so that Jesus can accept us with how clean we are. But Jesus receives the authentic you, the you you are right now because he wants us as we are. And there is no sin that is too great for him not to forgive. There is no sin you have committed that is too great for Jesus to forgive. And he is our only hope. And lastly, Jesus being the hope of the lost has everything to do with who he is because he is the son of God. Because he is the son of God. That famous verse we memorize in Sunday school, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he... Different versions. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That son right there, that's Jesus. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now the second criminal asked to be remembered. But Jesus does something beyond remembrance. Jesus invites him into paradise. Into eternity in paradise with him. Now Christ is our only hope. Christ is the hope for the lost because he doesn't just remember us when we are stuck in our ways. But when, once we recognize who he is, once we repent of our ways and turn to Jesus, he saves us from God's wrath. And he assures you and I eternity in paradise with him. 
And as I finish, I want us to note something here. What happens with the second criminal is what is known as a deathbed confession. Have you guys heard of that before? When you're about to die, and then you repent, and then hopefully you make it to heaven. And I'm saying hopefully because it messes me up every single time. Because if you think about it, this guy did not do life with the disciples, right? So he did not face the persecution the disciples went through. He did not face the rejection the disciples went through. He did not face the accusations. If anything, he calmly walks into heaven. And he gets there without living life like you and I have to do these days. You know, we have to make sure we're living life in, in the ways Jesus asks of us. And then we go to heaven and we meet this guy. And you be like, what did you do, bro? All you did was meet Jesus on that cross. And now you're here. You don't know what I had to go through. And sometimes this seems unfair. Right? When, once you think about it, like when you think about it, it seems unfair. But that is because his grace and his mercy is unfair. You and I don't deserve it. We do not deserve God's mercy and grace, but still, he offers, he offers it to us. Each and every day, even this morning, coming to church this morning, the stuff we have done, that if Jesus, that he knows about it, and we know we don't deserve his mercy, we know we don't deserve his forgiveness, but he offers us his forgiveness because he loves us. And he is offering it to you in this moment. He is offering it to you this instant. Because I know for some of us, we are waiting for that situation to happen where we are close to death, then we will repent. Right? Where we know that I'm about to die, then maybe I can repent. I, I know I used to think about it a lot when I was younger and immature. God forbid, right? I used to think maybe I'll die in an accident, and as soon as the accident is about to happen, I'll be like, God, forgive me. So I used to tell myself, as soon as you feel that things are about to go south, repent. And then maybe you're going to make it to heaven. You know? Because as a people, that is, we, we want to live it up. We want to live life. We want to enjoy life. We want to do the things that allow the things to be done. Before we can dedicate our lives to Jesus. Before we can come back to Jesus. But I want to assure you that he, if he's nudging on your heart today, if you're in this room actually, then he has afforded you the grace to listen to this. He's afforded you the mercy to live till this moment continuously with his grace and mercy. And he is asking you to turn from your ways and to follow him. To turn from your ways, to repent from our ways, and to follow Jesus. If you are in this room right now, my challenge to you is to know that Jesus has given you that grace. If you're listening to this right now, he has given you that grace. So if that's you, I want to give you that opportunity right now. If that is you in this room, I want us to have that opportunity. So if we could all close our eyes and bow our heads and pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for being the way, the truth, and the life. In you I am found. Forgive my sins. Create in me a new heart that I might live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, 
and you want to have a conversation with, with anybody, we have our prayer counselors that are going to be standing, some to my left, some to my right. You're going to know them because they're going to wear lanyards that say prayer counselor. But if God is nudging your heart, if he's knocking at the door of your heart, then come up front. No shame, no fear, no embarrassment. Some of us, we, that's where we started. That's where this walk of faith started. So you can meet our prayer counselors this morning. And if you feel like you just need prayer, I want to extend this invitation to you. If you feel like you just need prayer because life is not going the way you see it going, you just need prayer. Come up front as we sing the last song, and our prayer counselors are going to be uh, here to pray for you. Let's all stand and join the praise team in the last song.